I'm Sarah. And I'm Hadley. This week we're heading to Singapore with our friend Raisa as we rewatch Crazy Rich Asians. Rachel and Nick are on their way to his best friend's wedding when she finds out his family is basically Singapore royalty. Let's see how Rachel handles meeting his insanely wealthy and judgy family. Our guest is Raisa, who I met in Thailand. We went on a tour from Bangkok through Malaysia down to Singapore, and we had a couple days in Singapore together. We bonded a lot, mostly talking about food and similarities and differences between British and American snacks. We had lots of snacks. And that's when their friendship was formed. Over food. Do you have a favorite rom-com? I love the movie Angus Thongs of Perfect Snogging, and I think that's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a least favorite rom-com? Until a month ago, I would have said The Notebook, but then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, okay, no, I do like it. For a really long time, I thought it was really overrated. Then I got married, and I was with my person for 10 years, and I was like, oh, now this hits differently, because when I watched it originally, I was 18, and I was like, oh, come on, are you kidding? And I genuinely was like, this is the most overrated movie I've ever seen before. Now, oh, it hit. I sobbed. The Notebook was my favorite for a long time. But upon rewatching it, there's a lot of problematic things. I love rom-coms, but I do think that there's not as many good ones now. More action movies mm-hmm. are getting made. A lot of thrillers. But no, I love the rom-coms of like my generation from early noughties. Those are where some of my favorite ones are from. They're almost reminiscent of that time of my life as well. I watched Angus Long's The Perfect Snogging a few years ago and it was really, really cringe and I was embarrassed by it. But equally, I was still like, this is still gold because I just loved it so much when I was younger. But if I watched it now for the first time, I would be like, oh dear, this is horrendous. I've got a few movies like that where I'm like, oh, I love this movie so much. And then I show it to someone and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> never mind. I liked this movie a while ago. It's amazing to see how the movies that we loved when we were younger stand up now. Some of them don't age so well. I think rom-coms are so easy to just fall into the world of it. Just watching it for fun, you're like, oh, okay, this checks out in this world. There were a few episodes where I did not have fun analytically watching the movies. I was like, "Mm, I wish I hadn't thought about this, really. (laughs) Same. I had a lot of fun watching Crazy Rich Asians, though. Crazy Rich Asians is based on the book Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan. He makes a tiny cameo. He's one of the texters when they're texting about Rachel. Some of the people producing the movie wanted to take the word Asian out. I'm Asian, but Pakistani Asian. There's a lot of overlap in the Asians. For me, it was really funny to be like, oh yeah, my Asian does this also. Or, oh no, my Asian doesn't do that one. Hadley, if you end up reading the book, let us know if there are any differences, because I'm always curious about that. One of the big differences is with Eleanor, Nick's mom, her character was written as very nasty and mean. Michelle Yeoh believes there was more love motivating her character's decisions than the screenplay suggested, so changes were made. I'm glad that they made her a little warmer. I agree with her interpretation. of her character. I think it is a lot of love that's driving her actions. And I think she's just trying to protect her family that she's worked so hard for. We opened in London in 1995. Eleanor and her family are checking into a hotel with some super racist people working at the front desk. Yeah, this is not a good representation of the UK. (laughs) Not our finest moment here. I'm obsessed with this scene. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and I was hooked after this scene. What a power move. 
you can't stay here? Okay, I'll buy it. (laughs) The only note I wrote here was badass. I love a good revenge plot, and this is the perfect revenge plot on racist people. (laughs) The men at the hotel tell Eleanor to go explore Chinatown, and the nanny's like, you can go explore hell. (laughs) (laughs) Loved that. I was expecting her to fire them. I was kind of happy that she didn't because now they have to wait on her. And clean up after her kids. She said the floor needs mopped. She called her friend who owns the hotel. He comes down and says he sold the hotel to her. And I got chills as she walked away. This was a very powerful scene. She's not a lady you want to mess with. She just knows what she wants. This movie came out when I was traveling in Asia. I saw it at a movie theater in Thailand. Oh, I watched this on a flight, and I was wondering if I actually watched it live home from Singapore. I watched it right at that time, and I was like, oh, I've been there! I saw it right before I went to Singapore, so I was like, okay, these are all the sights I need to see when I'm there. Rachel Chu, played by Constance Wu, is teaching a game theory class. Her class seems to love her. She seems interesting. I feel like I wouldn't get bored in her class. She seems approachable, you know, young, trendy, relatable. She goes to get drinks with her boyfriend, Nick. Henry Golding, who played Nick, left his honeymoon to come audition for this movie. I don't know how I feel about that. I want his Wikipedia. <laughs> now I'm going to look who else I know him from. <laughs> it says last Christmas. Oh, with the girl from Game of Roses. Game of Thrones. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game of Roses is a podcast about The Bachelor. Ah. Aquafina's character does say it's like Asian Bachelor. Yes, I did make a note about that because there has not been an Asian Bachelor yet. We briefly talked about Michelle Yeoh, who plays Eleanor in this movie. Have either of you seen her new movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once? No, but I want to. Same. It looks really good. So Rachel and Nick have been dating for a year and he invites her to his friend's wedding in Singapore as his date. While they're having drinks, word gets around to his mom that he's bringing a date. Everyone is connected, and they're all trying to figure out who Rachel is. I love the speed of this, that all of this scene happened of everybody texting, and they had moved about 30 seconds in the bar they're in. It's good foreshadowing that Nick hasn't told a lot of things to Rachel. I felt it was quite a bold move to invite her to something off the cuff when he still hasn't told her anything, really. Surprise, meet the real me. I think your family and your upbringing says a lot about you. For me, I but that's quite important information you've left out. I am putting aside the fact that he is crazy rich. I get that he wants to keep his life in Singapore separate from his life in New York. But if you're dating someone for over a year, I think you should probably share a little bit, even if you're like, I don't want to be this big business guy, but here's my family. Or at least tell her and then in the next day, invite her to the wedding. Obviously, if he's invited her to meet the family, he does think she's the one or, you know, going somewhere. So at that point, he probably would feel comfortable that she's not in it for his money. I do feel kind of bad for Eleanor here, though, because I'd be like, why is my son hiding his relationship from me? Why haven't you told your mom you're bringing someone home with you? I feel like she's probably the first one you should tell. The people hosting the event should probably know a new person's coming. Although I guess that's one thing in Asian culture, an invite is a very fluid thing. Asian weddings are very, very big. The numbers usually aren't so controlled because there's less of the structure. to a Western wedding where you have like a sit-down meal and pranks per head and things. It's very much a bit more of a free-for-all and it's usually like a very last-minute RSVP as well. 
What was your wedding like? Blended. Since I married a Scottish man, in our culture, the bride family throws the big reception. So my mom wanted to do that. We did like all of our legal things the day before. The next day had a big wedding reception, very Asian themed. But we got Harry's family to wear traditional Scottish clothing. So a little tartan kilt. That was really nice with like all of the bright colours of our traditional dress blended with tartan and Scottish traditional clothing. Even Harry's 80-year-old granddad got really involved and was dancing all night. (laughs) It was a good little event. Nothing like the weddings in Singapore with these crazy rich Asians. (laughs) Eleanor is not happy about Rachel coming over and basically blocks her from coming to the house. She's like, we have construction. I only have room for you. We see his room later. It has room for probably like four more people in it. I thought that if it was someone that she would be happy to have in the house, then maybe she wouldn't have been so closed off to the idea. If it was someone that lived up to the expectations, I feel like she probably would have been a bit more welcoming. I think you're right. I think she would be much more welcoming if she approved and knew who this person was. Rachel goes shopping with her mom, who tells her to wear red for good fortune and fertility. (laughs) This red dress is cute and she looks good in it, but it's def not on the level of the clothing she needs for all these parties. He didn't prepare her very well for this. And I think if she didn't have her friend over there, she already didn't live up to everyone's expectations. So she basically stood no chance. I don't think he shared any details about what kind of clothing she needed. All their events seem to be red carpet attire only. Rachel and Nick arrive at the airport talking about Rachel's mom's Tupperware meals that she packed. I love this. Quite a contrast, because then the stewardess comes over to escort them to first class, and Rachel says, we're economy people. I'd be kind of upset with him, honestly. I'd be like, I look like an idiot. Can you please tell me what's going on? I think I'd feel a bit uncomfortable here. Like you say, you kind of feel like a fool, and like you brought little Mm -hmm. egg sandwiches in a Ziploc bag (laughs) when you're going to fly in first class. (laughs) It's wholesome and it's sweet. It seems so second nature to him that I don't think he'd even thought about having to warn her about it because he's so used to it. Almost like first class is the only class that exists in his life to travel. Like (laughs) there's one box and it's first class only. When they get on the plane, Rachel asks if Nick's family is rich and he responds, we're comfortable, which is exactly what a rich person would say. (laughs) When we were flying to Bali for our honeymoon, we were looking at flights and we said, oh, should we see how much a first class ticket would be just to treat ourselves to upgrade to first class? I think was like 10,000 pounds for one flight. We'd only be halfway. One of my life goals is to fly first class internationally at least once. It's so expensive and it's only going to keep getting more expensive. So I don't know how I will ever afford that. Rachel gets Nick to talk about who she's actually going to meet because she's now found out that he is insanely wealthy. He gives a rundown of the cousins, starting with Alistair, played by Remy Hai. He lives in Taiwan. He is dating Kitty Pong, who is not a good actress. But as the crew members say, he's paying for the movie, so she'll be the lead. We get Eddie, who's a businessman with a lot of children. And he's very frustrated with his wife because he thinks if she was wearing a better dress, they would be on the cover of American Vogue, not Hong Kong Vogue. He's played by Ronnie Chang. And then we meet Astrid. Astrid is a fashion icon in Hong Kong. She's played by Gemma Chan. She's probably my favorite character in this movie. Me too. 
She goes to try on some very expensive jewelry. They give her the earrings at cost for a little $1.2 million. Even if I had money, I would be so anxious wearing those. Imagine having a period of earrings for $1.2 million. Your net wealth must be hundreds of millions. Like, hi, I just can't fathom that. It's hard to conceptualize a billion dollars because it's just such an insane amount of money. We know she's extremely wealthy because later... When her husband's like, where are you going to go? She's like, well, I own 14 apartment buildings, so maybe I'll go to one of them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> this movie starts on a power move and ends on a power move. I like Astrid. She was very sweet and gentil. She seemed way less obsessed with money than everyone around her. And I know she has a ton of it, so she probably doesn't have to think about it. But Eddie is always talking about, who are you? Who's your family? Astrid's husband even is so obsessed with money. I think it's almost a burden to her to be so rich. I don't think she actually enjoys the lifestyle. She seems a bit scarred for all. Nick and Rachel get to Singapore and meet up with Nick's friends, Colin and Armenta. Rachel is impressed with the airport, has a butterfly garden, and she says JFK just smells like salmonella and despair. This is an awesome airport. I've been there. It's been rated the number one airport several years in a row. But they have a butterfly garden and a movie theater. They also have a pool you can get day passes for. And if you have a really long layover, they have day tours of the city. There's a big rooftop cactus garden. That was cool. They have like an indoor waterfall and rainforest area. I think probably where the butterflies are. I did go into the butterfly garden. It was very cool. I really want to stop there sometime. I'd love to go to Singapore. But if I happen to even just have a layover. If you fly anywhere in Asia, you have a pretty high likelihood of having a layover in Singapore. So just make sure it's a long one. Araminta and Colin, the ones getting married, they pick up Nick and Rachel from the airport and go on an adventure through Singapore and get some street food. This reminded me of our travels because we had a tour guide who took us to all of these hawker bazaars and got us eaten with the authentic food. But he was like, you all are Western, so I'm going to take you to places that your stomachs will handle. Nick mentioned that in Singapore, there's actually some street food vendors that have Michelin stars. When they're sitting down to eat, Rachel gets invited to the bachelorette party. We cut to Astrid coming home from her shopping trip. Astrid's house is beautiful. I love her life, except for the husband part of it. <laughs> He's really insecure with how wealthy she is. We find out at the end that he bought the apartment they live in, but I think he just is so weird about it that she feels weird about it. She does seem like she's trying to be sensitive to his feelings about it by hiding all of her shopping bags, which is sweet because, like, if your partner is insecure about something, you should be considerate about it. But also, he needs to work on that. Right, because he's like, you don't tell me these things, and it's like, you don't react well to these things. If she were to... Just wear her $1.2 million earrings. What would you say? You'd make her feel horrible about it. I love the scene where she's reading to her son. She gets along really well with kids, it seems. I think because it seems like she doesn't relate to anybody else in this movie, does she? No, it seems like she gets the biggest connection with Rachel, but they're very different people still. Her husband comes home and immediately takes a shower. And then later we find out he's having an affair. And I was like, hmm. And he's like, I had to stay late. I'm like, were you washing off another lady's perfume? I love how you jumped perfume there, because that's not what I was thinking. I thought I'd censor it <laughs> a little bit. You can cut my reaction out to that. <laughs> the next day, Rachel and Nick talk about what they're going to be doing. 
And this is a very in-between scene. But they're really cute how they interact with each other. They're adorable here. He seems so comfortable in his life with her. It seems like that's where he's most comfortable. Definitely, I would agree. They have a nice little bubble away from all the money and the expectations that are cast on him. We see some shots of Singapore between these scenes. They keep showing the same sightseeing stuff, like the Merlion and Marina Bay Sands and the Art Science Museum that's a lotus. The first time I watched this, I thought, would I like Singapore if I weren't insanely rich? (laughs) I think everybody, before they go, doesn't get it. But once you go to Singapore, you're like, yes, that's exactly what it is, because it's so clean. It's so urban, but not dirty urban. You can't bring chewing gum in and you get fined for chewing gum in the country. There's many rules and it's just very quiet and safe, which is nice, but it's quite surreal as well. I want to go back and stay at Marina Bay Sands. Oh! But that's really expensive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go swim in their pool on the roof. The ultimate infinity pool. Is that where the party is at the very end? That's the closing scene. I wondered, because if that wasn't the biggest infinity pool (laughs) on a rooftop there, I really wondered what the biggest was. (laughs) That's the one. We went up one of the towers. We weren't on the rooftop pool, unfortunately. We were on one of the levels. So you get to see like good 360 views of the city. We meet Rachel's friend, Paiklin, who's played by Aquafina. Their house was inspired by Versailles and Donald Trump's bathroom. The Hall of Mirrors in Versailles. Very ornate. Everything is gold. I liked that Auntie came out and said, come in and enjoy the aircon. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that everyone says aircon. We meet the rest of her family over a meal. Mr. Go is played by Ken Jeong. He's from The Hangover, and I was obsessed with his character in those movies. He is a doctor turned comedian quite a career change. He says, you went to the same school as my daughter and you came back with a useful degree and she came back as Asian Ellen. (laughs) I love that line. He introduces the brother who whispers, I love you, across the table. Rachel says her boyfriend is Nick Young. Paiklin's first reaction when she says Nick Young, she's like, the Nick you're dating is Nick Young. They're all shocked because this wedding that she's going to is the event of the century because the Youngs literally built Singapore. Finally, someone decides to fill her in on the situation. Thank God she has this friend. Paiklin loans Rachel a fancy dress and drives her to the Young Mansion. Paiklin is fashionable enough that she has three changes of outfits in her car. I loved this. There were three categories of dress. The first one was clubbing. Then there was cocktail and walk of shame. She came prepared. Rachel's like, you have a cocktail dress in your trunk? And <laughs> Paiklin was like, I'm not an animal, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved the drive to this mansion where the sat-nav is like, turn around, you're at the dead end. And it's not even on maps. That's great. That's wealth when you've hidden your house from maps. They drive through the jungle to get there and they're met by armed guards. She says, don't stab the car. (laughs) That was comical. Yeah, these like wild looking security guards. In an unmarked location. (laughs) They were talking about how the Youngs are old money and this mansion definitely gives old money vibes. It kind of reminded me of Great Gatsby. This house that they're in, the grandma's house, is actually in Kuala Lumpur. The mansion was made out of two abandoned Malaysian government-owned buildings. A 
apparently the jungle had overgrown on the inside and some of the floors had collapsed and there were monkeys and bats living in it before they started filming. Rachel's new dress is gorgeous. They described it later as chic 70s goddess. I think it's much more appropriate than the fortune and fertility red dress. I would already be intimidated by everyone there having money, but if I also came underdressed, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> I'd feel like there's got to be a dress in this house I could borrow. Paiklin gets invited to the party. <laughs> I love this. He's like, the bathroom's up the stairs to the right. She's like, I'll figure it out. And she takes selfies all the way <laughs> yes. up the stairs. <laughs> I feel like Paiklin is the audience. <laughs> like how we would all act if we were at this party. Oh, absolutely. Nick introduces Rachel to his mom. And Rachel goes right in for a hug. I don't think I would have done that. His mom was a little cold in this scene, but not too bad. Until she says, pursuing one's passion. How American. I was struggling to get the vibe from her. I was like, is she being cold? I think up until that moment, it was still kind of hit or miss which way it was going. I was expecting her to be way colder. So what you said about them making her character warmer made a lot of sense. Nick introduces Rachel to all the cousins and the aunties who are very judgy and the nanny who Rachel mistakes for the grandmother. No one's particularly welcoming here. Except the nanny. The nanny seems pretty cool. Yeah, so the nanny is the only person that's relatable to her. Even when they try to get Rachel to connect with Astrid's husband, Michael, he's just like, I'm going to go to my alcove. He seems very out of place here. It feels like he doesn't want to try to make himself feel included. I got that as well. I was like, he had a chip on his shoulder, but nobody else placed it there but him. And he just didn't want to make the effort. Astrid goes off to talk to her husband. He's on a business call and she brings him dinner and she's like, I can come help out at the office if you need help. And he's not okay with that, which is really sweet of her to offer. He just seems to think that it'll be her bringing herself down to be an administrative assistant. She doesn't see it that way. She wants to have a partnership. She's very loving, isn't she? Seems like she'll kind of do whatever she needs to. She's not someone who's on a pedestal. I'm glad that they end up breaking up because she deserves a better partner. He goes to get the fork that she forgot to get and his phone rings. So she looks at it. She sees a message that says the bed feels empty without you and finds out he's having an affair. Also handled it very well. I'm like, give me that fork, let me stab you in the eyeballs with it. <laughs> Rachel meets Ollie. She spills wine on Nick's white suit and then has to talk to Oliver, who tells her she looks like a chic 70s goddess. And he's played by Nico Santos, who's on the TV show Superstore. That was one of my lockdown binges. Is that the one that has America Ferreira? Yes. I did think his accent was particularly terrible. It fell a lot. It was very disjointed and it felt like he was breaking character the whole time and I can't get into the scene when he's talking like that. It's almost like fourth walled, you know, because it's just so obvious his accent is so bad. I wonder why they made him have that accent. If he wasn't doing it well, I feel like they should have been like, oh, we sent him to school in America or something. A place where he wouldn't have picked up a British accent. I never understand when people get cast in roles where they have to put on an accent that's a terrible accent. It's like, just give that role to somebody who that is their natural accent and they will do a better job. He's talking about the Cambodian gong that the family bought that he had to find for them. And Rachel asks why they would want to buy that. For a dinner bell, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Rachel has figured out what she's walked into, has she? Not at all. 
I think the gong helps set the tone, though. Because <laughs> a cowbell would be too plain. Nick had to go upstairs and change his clothes because Rachel spilled a drink all over him. His mom comes up and they have a chat. We find out that Nick was supposed to move back last year and help run the company that his dad owns. And he says he's not ready yet. The mom says she thinks Rachel's a nice girl. And in my notes, I wrote liar. <laughs> then they go to the orchid house. Ollie gives all the gossip about everyone on the way. Everybody just watching this flower bloom. The queen of the night flower. The Tanhua plant was imported to China in the 1600s. Outside of China, it's also known as orchid cactus and night blooming cereus. This kind of flower only blooms in July through October, and they were supposed to be there over spring break, so continuity error. Yeah, I guess it had to be something rare and with some meaning behind it rather than just any old orchid off the street. <laughs> it is one of the most expensive flowers in the world. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. They have a whole house for it. Grandma liked Rachel, didn't she? Yeah, she said her nose was auspicious. Ah, uh, yes. She gets invited to make dumplings. Eleanor does not seem happy about the situation. Quite an intimate moment, it sounded like, that dumpling making session, like a family tradition passed down. That's quite a big thing for Grandma to invite Rachel to. So then they meet up for the bachelor bachelorette party in a giant airplane hangar. Very similar to my bachelorette party, absolutely. <laughs> I would be like Rachel and go with the gap look. I loved her gap look. I can't believe I had something to say about it. Well, it's classic. You look good. Nick and Colin go off to this giant barge that is Ball and Colin's bachelor party. The guy hosting the bachelor party, Bernard, is played by Jimmy O. Yang who's also in the Christmas rom-com Love Hard, who plays a significantly different character. Yeah, much cooler in Love Hard. I love him in that. In this, I was like, ooh, interesting guy. I love the remix of the song. Baby, it's cold outside. Oh, that was classic. That was so good. I love that movie. This bachelor party is wild. Also, I noticed that I think there are only two songs that are in English in this whole movie, which I thought was pretty cool. There were a version of songs I recognized. I recognized the tune. There was a couple like that. There were a lot that I was like, oh, I know this song. Oh, I don't know the words, but I know what this song is. Yeah, I know the melody. And then the bachelorette party is on Samsara Island, where the bride-to-be's mom owns a resort. And she's closed down the whole thing just for the bachelorette party. And they get an all-paid fashion spree. Absolutely wild for the shopping party. Well, the rich people like nothing more than free things. Rachel hits it off with Amanda. Ooh, Amanda. She seems nice and friendly at first. I think that was the ploy, wasn't it? She seems like Rachel finally found a friend. Then they have the spa. And this is where Rachel finds out that Amanda used to date Nick and that Nick's mom loved her. This was savage. This was such a mean, horrible experience for her. I felt really bad for Rachel. This kind of also put me all for Araminta, the bride, because I was like, how could you A, be friends with these people and B, not really fill Rachel in? I know it's her back, so she's busy doing her own thing, but I just thought it was a bit mean inviting her to something where she doesn't know anybody and then there's people like that that are going to be a bit mean to her. I feel like Araminta and Amanda are both people that seem one way at first and then are extremely different later. Because when we first meet Araminta, she's in shorts and a tank top and glasses. And then she shows up to her bachelorette party in her sequin jumpsuit and is a whole different person. 
when we first met her, I thought she was the Rachel equivalent to Colin. You know, maybe he's the one that had the money and she was just normal, down to earth, just, you know, one of us. And then her mom owns a resort on an island. The first time I watched this movie, it didn't register with me that that was the same person. Understandable. She tells it all this and then messages the girl. She's on her way so they can all say catty comments and she walks past. They're really mean. Rachel meets up with Astrid, who just showed up on the island a little late. And they go back to Rachel's room and see the gutted fish and catch this, you gold-digging bitch, written on the windows. I read that in the book, this actually said, you gold-digging cunt. And I kind of wish that they hadn't changed it. (laughs) (laughs) This is just extreme, like not at all what you would expect of these people that hold themselves so highly and dress so nicely. I mean... They probably paid someone to do that, so I doubt they would have got their nails dirty doing this. This is horrible. Rachel says she doesn't want to tell anyone. She doesn't want to give them the satisfaction. She and Astrid get to bond a bunch because then they go bury the <laughs> fish together. Astrid shares about Michael having an affair. and They really get along well. I think Rachel will have a good ally in this family. That would have probably put me off quite a lot because I would think, who are you associated with? And Okay, he's not like that, but like everyone he's surrounded by is like that. Everyone seems really two-faced. While all this is going on, Nick and Colin have stolen a helicopter and gone off on their own adventure. We find out Nick is going to propose to Rachel. And Colin is like, are you sure you want to marry Rachel? Because up until a year ago, this was your life plan. Are you sure you're making the choice that you can stick to? Colin brings up all of the difficulties about Rachel coming into Nick's life. Nick seems kind of oblivious. I feel like Nick's just really thinking about his relationship with Rachel in New York and not really considering anything out of New York, which I get, but it might not be his reality or it might not be easy to see to just leave the family behind like that. It's easy to say he would not take his family's money and things, but in reality, how? Right, because like you said before, he seems so used to this lifestyle. Flying first class is not even a second thought. But if he's not a part of the family and not carrying on the business, how is he going to be able to do that? Where's his life experience to get a job at whatever age he is? I'm just glad that they ditched the rest of the bachelor party because the other guys really suck. It doesn't really seem like it was for Colin at all, did it? (laughs) When they were on the helicopter to the barge, Bernard was saying something about it takes a lot to plan a party this massive. And Nick is like, yeah, massive asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have as many in this movie I'd want to know. Just Astrid. I'd be friends with Astrid. The next day, Rachel confronts Nick about not filling her in on anything. He says, you have every reason to be upset. And she says, I'm not done yet. He got off very lightly. I think I would have been a lot madder than she was. She tells him about the party and she says everything was written on the windows in big fat serial killer letters, which is a very apt description. (laughs) And then they go make dumplings with his family. They start out having a really nice time. Rachel compliments Eleanor's ring. This emerald ring is Michelle Yeoh's personal ring, which they decided to use after she didn't like the mock-up of the ring they were planning to use. Oh. I read that the ring that they wanted to use was a replica of one that JFK gave to Jackie as an engagement ring. So it makes sense that she would want this unique one because in the movie she says that there's no other ring like it. I want to know how much that ring costs massive and now probably worth a lot more because it's been in the movie and spotlighted like that i thought this was pretty savage of her just to be like yeah this is the ring that his dad falls to her with and basically insinuated that rachel would never see it 
Eleanor explains that the ring was made when Nick's father wanted to propose to her, but Ama wouldn't let him have the family ring because Eleanor didn't come from the right family. I thought this was going to be like a sweet scene where they bonded. And then Eleanor ends it with, you'll never be enough. After she's like intimidated Rachel to step down the stairs. Asserting her dominance. With this whole house scene, we get to see that the grandmother isn't really a fan of Eleanor. You think it'd go well being like, hey, I was in your shoes, but it's yes. like, hey, I was in your shoes. You're not cut out for this. We see Ama critique Eleanor's dumplings. And so I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of the same. So they should be able to bond over that. But Eleanor does not want to. I love the different way they make dumplings where he's like, you put the baby in the blanket, <laughs> fold it up. And then Ollie's like, well, I learned from auntie so-and-so and you put the botox in the face <laughs> and pinch 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 he's one of the family members if i were on his good side i would like knowing i would not want to be on his bad side no we find out that nick grew up with ama so that he would be the favorite which is kind of sad that eleanor felt like she had to sacrifice having a close relationship with her son to have him live with their grandma rachel and picklin go get lunch and talk about what happened and Picklin has some advice. Like, you can get tons of money. She'll probably write you a check to leave. <laughs> get a few million dollars out of her. And she calls her a banana. And she calls her a chicken. And Gwen Rachel's like, I'm going to do this. She's like, bok, bok, bitch. Bok, bok, bitch, indeed. <laughs> Rachel wants to do a makeover to get ready. And she's like, what are you going to do tonight? And Picklin says, I was going to go to FedEx or something. Why? It's like, she'd hang out at FedEx? I want to know more about her life. And do you guys get the reference of FedEx? Because, like, for me, it's just a delivery service. Is there, like, do you have a shop? What more is there to FedEx? In the U.S., they have copiers, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> There's not a lot. I heard a lot of her lines got cut, and I'm really curious what they are. Apparently, some of them were a little too raunchy for the movie. Her outtakes would be good. Most of her lines were improvised. Paiklin and Oliver give Rachel a makeover so she can stand up to Eleanor. It's this fun makeover montage mixed with everyone arriving at this red carpet for this amazing wedding. And the song playing is Material Girl in Cantonese. Ollie says that Eleanor can't know he was there. He doesn't want to get on her bad side. I wouldn't either. I'm just thinking how lucky she was to have Paiklin because I don't think anything in her wardrobe would have been suitable for this event because she was all going to the wedding wasn't she so i'm curious to know what she's gonna wear and i'm curious what nick said the attire was because clearly all their attire is like award ceremony attire they arrive at the wedding and paiklin is her chauffeur ollie runs down saying rachel chu new york rachel chu new york she looks stunning she does she walks in front of all the other women getting their pictures taken on the red carpet. And then she tells Amanda that she's in her way. She went into this like fighting mode. I can't imagine what the pep talk in the car was like on the way there. <laughs> Probably a lot of bok bokking. <laughs> Just all of them screaming that. I wish we had seen the full shot of Amanda's dress because I really liked the top of it. I did too. Astrid and Michael are on their way to the wedding. And Astrid tells him she knows he's having an affair. He gets upset because she doesn't have a more intense reaction. She's like, don't turn things back on me. Yeah, it was as if he was trying to excuse the fact by saying he's doing it for attention or like needing attention from elsewhere. Well, be a grown up and speak to your wife about it. Communicate your needs. It's not her fault you had an affair. 
And then he, again, brings up how different they are financially. I feel like he's projecting all his insecurities. He needs to go to therapy. I think it goes back to that Asian culture of men being the provider and women to be more submissive. But obviously, if she's got all the money, then he obviously feels a lot less of a man to her, but then isn't really acting in a suitable way either. I'm curious how they ended up married, because it's not like she suddenly made billions after they were married. She came into this relationship extremely wealthy. He knew what he was getting into. And how was Lloyd from her family as well? How was he deemed worthy of her? They pull over on the side of the road and he storms out of the car. So good riddance. Apparently in the book, he didn't actually have an affair. He just staged the text message for Astrid to find so that she'd be more inclined to get a divorce. Whoa. It's okay to be insecure, but don't project it onto other people. Like that's for him to deal with. And she's trying to help him through it, but he's just getting mad at her. I think he totally ruined their relationship as well because... She seemed to really treat him quite respectfully and be really respectful of the fact that he was insecure about the money. She tried to treat them more as equals. He could have handled the whole thing a lot better and would have come out of it a lot happier. He just seems so angry Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't think she ever would have held back her wealth from him either. I feel like she would share her wealth. Oh, absolutely. What an idiot. He's lost out on so much. At the wedding, the aunties are gossiping about the wedding cost, and they're like, they say it costs $40 million. That's so much. We're Methodists. We're conservative. We'd only spend $20 million. That's <laughs> like, oh, okay. There are a lot of plants at this wedding. Is that a Singapore thing, do you think? Because also they've got the airport with like a rainforest, and then they've got the marina by the bay that has the big indoor rainforest. I wonder if it's a cultural thing to Singapore. Maybe it screams well to have all those flowers. Well, if it costs $40 million. Probably $20 million with some flowers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eleanor and the aunties tell Rachel that their rope is full and she'll have to sit somewhere else. I would not be able to handle this like Rachel is. <laughs> I'd probably cry. But I don't want to sit with you guys anyway. Rachel has made friends with the princess who wanted her own role. And she talks about how the princess wrote... An economics paper and Rachel loved it and they bond and everyone is like, wait, how are they doing that? Why is she talking to the princess? Why is the princess talking to her? I didn't quite understand the water aisle because I was like, is her dress not just going to get wet? I thought about that too. She's walking through water and then it's going to travel up as well. This was beyond me, this one. I liked how it looked. I didn't think it was very practical, but it looked very cool when the water came rushing in. It did. And I do think that they are all about the looks and less about the practicality. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a beautiful wedding. If I had $40 million, I would also have a wedding like this. I don't know if that's what I'd spend my $40 million on, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, if you had $40 million, you'd be skint after this. So. <laughs> I'd have to have more than $40 million and be like, oh, it's only $40 million. It's fine. Chump change. <laughs> I can't even imagine being that wealthy. The wedding reception is at Gardens by the Bay. So we've been there at night. And we saw the light show. Very cool. It was cool to see them sync up with the music that they played. That's awesome. Araminta's outfit makes her look like a flapper. It does. Rachel and Nick go talk to Ama and Eleanor. 
Ama says Rachel will ruin Nick with her ambition, which I was not expecting since their last interaction was pretty no. positive. What were the auspicious nose? Eleanor hired a private investigator and discovered that Rachel's mom cheated on her husband, got pregnant with another man, and ran away to America. She says that Rachel lied about her father being dead and this scandal would destroy their reputation. But Rachel didn't even know this. This is a horrible way to find out the truth about her family. It would feel like she's lost two things at once there. Ama blames Eleanor for this whole thing happening. Standard. Eleanor didn't even know this woman existed until like three days ago. Still, I feel bad for Eleanor. <laughs> I know Eleanor is mean to Rachel and kind of everyone, but in a way I kind of get what she's trying to say. Eleanor has to deal with Ama being mean to her, so it makes sense that she would then turn around and try to feel power over someone else because she feels so powerless mm -hmm. in this relationship with Ama. Not right. It's not good, <laughs> but... No. But logical. You'd think that she'd like, oh, this sucks. I would never treat mm -hmm. someone like this. But actually, the power's, like you say, gone to her head because now she's in Ama's position where she could be a bitch and tell someone that they're not good enough. Rachel says she wants nothing to do with this family <laughs> and runs away. This is about, like, days later than I should have said that. <laughs> she runs off to Paiklin's house. Rachel wallows. Stays in bed for days. The kids bring her food, and she ignores all of Nick's calls. Props to everyone for giving her her space. It was nice she had this little sanctuary to just wallow and process. Imagine if Paiklin wasn't there, she would have had to found a hotel or found a flight. It was quite nice her mom shows up. Rachel confronts her mom about what the PI found, and her mom's story is so sad. It is. She said she had an abusive husband and fell in love with her friend, got pregnant, and then was afraid of the husband hurting them all, so she ran away and never told the friend she was pregnant because she didn't want the contact to come back to the husband because she was afraid he'd kill them all. Kind of makes sense to me that she didn't tell Rachel earlier. Probably don't want Rachel to know how horrible her dad was. He's kind of leave it at like an unknown. Yes, they were a fine person, but you're not going to get to meet them because they died. This whole situation seems like everyone's understanding and I'm glad it goes well. We find out that Nick called Rachel's mom and flew her out. And so her mom suggests that Rachel talk to Nick before they leave. He apologizes and then he proposes and says he'll leave everything behind for her, which... I don't know about you guys, but I don't like that. Like if someone were like, I'm going to leave my whole life behind for you, it'd be like, mm. I think you'd worry that eventually there would be resentment and not even sustainable, especially like if they were to resolve things in the future, then she would look like the bad guy. Not very well thought out, Nick. Mm -mm. He doesn't seem malicious. He just seems clueless. Rachel goes to meet Eleanor at the little Mahjong parlor. I want to learn how to actually play Mahjong. I've like played it on a computer, but it's very different. I was thinking that I used to play it on a very old Windows desktop about 15 years ago. Rachel asks Eleanor why she didn't like her when she got there before she even knew her. And Eleanor says that Rachel is not their kind and she's foreign and Americans only think of their own happiness. Blunt. <laughs> Americans are very selfish, which is not always a bad thing, but... Sometimes it is. I think it's like a clash of culture there as well, isn't it? Traditional Asian culture is very family-orientated, gender roles. Mm -hmm. 
And Rachel, we've already seen, she's against the normal political form. She's a lecturer. She's educated in more traditional male job with economics. So she's already completely off script for what they would want her to be. I wonder if there's maybe some jealousy from Eleanor also, because we learned that she went to law school, but gave up her career to have a family. And so maybe she's jealous that Rachel has all this freedom and is allowed to follow her ambition while also getting the man of her dreams. (laughs) That's a really good observation. Rachel drops the bomb that Nick proposed and that she said no, and that she knows that she's enough but doesn't want Nick to lose his mom. And she tells Eleanor that in the future, when Eleanor gets what she wants, she'll have to know it was because of Rachel. Rachel is coming out strong here. Like, she's handling this so well. Imagine being proposed to, like, by the love of your life, having to say no because he comes from a freak show of family and then going and confronting the mom to be like, because of you, I cannot marry him, but, you know, good luck. So I don't know how to play Mahjong, but I did read that the tile that Rachel discarded and Eleanor took that gave her the winning hand would have also been the winning tile for Rachel, so she let Eleanor win. So it kind of goes with everything she was saying at that point. I like that Rachel's mom was there too. She had a nice long stare off with Eleanor. Then we see Astrid move out. Is this where she says that she will go to one of her 14 apartments? She's like, you bought this apartment, you keep it. It's not my job to make you feel like a man. I can't make you something you're not. Yes. Yes. Loved that. Finally, telling him the truth. She puts on her earrings and leaves. Rachel leaves Paiklin's house and Paiklin tells her, you have nothing, no net worth, but you have integrity. I watched this movie with subtitles on. And for most of the songs, it said what language they were saying in, like Cantonese or Mandarin. But when they played the song during this scene, which is Yellow by Coldplay, it just said yellow sung in Asian language. It's like, (laughs) "Mm, I think you can be a little more specific. There's like a million languages in Asia. Coldplay was reluctant to have their song in the movie because they'd been accused of cultural appropriation in another one of their songs. But the director, John Chu, convinced them because he wanted to reclaim the word from its use as a racial slur. I think then the subtitles have completely (laughs) just um, undone all the hard work by saying Asian language. (laughs) I was just so surprised when I saw that. I was like, you were able to figure out that the other ones were Cantonese and Mandarin. What happened? (laughs) Just got lazy, I guess. Rachel and her mom are flying back in economy. And Nick shows up and proposes again with Eleanor's ring and the woman behind her is like yeah yeah she'll marry you it's quite cute this was very romantic and then they have their engagement party at Marina Bay Sands this just shows the wealth doesn't it because there's not really that many other places in Singapore that they'd be able to highlight so well and show off that wealth Rachel gets a little nod of approval from Eleanor or like a nod of acceptance I would say (laughs) Isn't she wearing Eleanor's ring at this point as well? I bet that hurt her taking off her finger, didn't it? Probably, knowing where it was going. And then we have our credit scene, and Astrid makes eyes at a new guy. Harry Shum Jr. from Glee. Okay, I was going to say, he looks insanely familiar. (laughs) This is the setup for the sequel. China Rich Girlfriend. Oh! He plays a much bigger role in the next two movies. Oh, when is this movie coming out? I didn't know there was a sequel. I didn't see any dates, but it said it has been confirmed that there will be a sequel. 
this movie was praised in the U.S. for its casting, for making history for Asian American representation, but I saw that it was also criticized for not exclusively using actors of Chinese descent. Do you think the critique was that it was like just general Asian, not specific? I wonder if they'll change that for the next one, if they have new cast members. The book had a different ending. Nick denounced his family in order to be with Rachel. I'm glad they went with the movie ending. That would have been so hard for Rachel, because Nick was clearly very close with his family. And I don't know about in the book, but in the movie. It kind of goes back to that naivety again. That he thinks like the short term, like, okay, I'll just leave them for you. And then probably thinking of like the very, very short term. But like in the long run, we'd probably resent her or miss them. And then it would just cause more dramas, wouldn't it? The cast had a dumpling-making party when they first arrived on set as an icebreaker. How cute! And because they had to learn how to make dumplings for the movie. Oh, I love that. Very cool. I learned how to make dumplings in Nepal, and it is hard to pinch them just right. I'd love to learn to make them. It's also a lot of work to make dumplings, and I just, like, inhale them, so... I don't really want to put that much effort into making them. Oh, I do like a dumpling. I might have to get dumplings for dinner. (laughs) Our song pairing for Crazy Rich Asians is Rich Boy by Galantis. The lyrics say, I don't need a rich boy. I don't want your money. No, you don't got to spend nothing on me. All I want is sweet, sweet love. Which Rachel doesn't want Nick's money. She just wants him. She doesn't care about his money at all. I feel like Rachel should sing this song to Nick's mom. Do like a boombox over the head outside the palace. (laughs) I don't need your son because he's rich. I want him because I like him. (laughs) That's a wrap on Crazy Rich Asians. Make sure to subscribe so you can travel to Spain with us next time as we recap one of our favorite Netflix rom-coms, Ibiza, which is now called Ibiza Love Drunk. See you then, love bugs. Thank you.